Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a April 9th, Sunday morning edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com, Associated Press, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. Locked On Blazers is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have a wide variety of shows. Locked On NBA, Locked On NFL. We have individual teams covered, uh, like the Utah Jazz. Uh the pod father, David Locke, was in town tonight, obviously, since the Jazz were in town. And there were a lot of people in town over this past week, uh, NBA folks, for the Nike Hoop Summit. And uh, we have a little bit of a uh, treat for you on this podcast. We talked to Nate Duncan tonight at the Blazers Jazz game. We talked pregame before Damian Lillard rewrote the franchise record books. Yes, that's right. You may have heard Damian Lillard had 59 points, six rebounds, five assists. That is a franchise record. Obviously, it's a new career high for Dame as well. He began the game on a tear, uh, scored 26 points in the first quarter, really took it upon himself to just take this game over and knowing that the Jazz were on the second night of a back-to-back, knowing that there's nothing guaranteed between now and Wednesday with Denver still with a fighter's chance to get that eighth seed heading into this, which you may hear Nate talk about when we have the conversation since we did talk pregame. But... Uh, Lillard does what franchise players do, and he took this game over from the very beginning. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, a lot of credit, I think, for his performance uh, is obviously, it, it goes on him, but I think one of the things that kind of got the ball rolling for the Blazers in this game was uh, the the change back to Myers Leonard in the starting lineup for the Blazers. Uh, Leonard has had a really rough go of it these last couple of games, uh, especially in the games that Nurkic has been out. And then uh, you also throw in the fact that before Nurkic went out, he started to lose uh, a good chunk of those backup center minutes that he was getting. He was losing some of those to Vonley as they went to more small ball units. But uh, Leonard deserves a lot of credit for I think trying uh, opening up the game a little bit for Lillard at the beginning, Leonard hit his first three pointer. Uh, 
in a pick and roll, and I thought that he did a really nice job of setting screens, creating space, uh, and and it was tough on the Jazz defense. Uh, they started Boris Diaw, who uh, had a lot of trouble staying with Leonard, and they went to pick and rolls with Leonard, with Diaw guarding him, and they had Rudy Gobert on Noah Vonley as the the kind of role man dunker so that Gobert can roam and protect the paint. But Portland really took advantage of that uh, defensive scheme that they had and took advantage of Diaw, who, while Boris Diaw will go down as one of my top five favorite players of all time, that is not a joke. I, he really is one of my personal favorite players ever. Uh, but there's no way around the fact that he has lost a step. I think that's part of the reason why the Spurs were willing to give him up and move on from him and move him so that they could sign Pau Gasol in the offseason. So uh, Gobert only played 18 minutes tonight. I think the Blazers did a really nice job of taking advantage of his lack of quickness and athleticism or you know his diminished athleticism and and Leonard I think was a, a major key to that because Dion was on him a lot and uh he also made three three-pointers tonight but uh the made shots you know maybe that made the the Jazz defense respect him a little bit more but I thought the way he played uh really helped open things up the the Vonley Leonard lineup it, it it worked well tonight but obviously uh you know those are just little wrinkles into the game obviously the the performance of Lillard from the very beginning it does you know it doesn't matter uh you know what you're running he was getting to the basket he was finding creases in the defense he was finishing with uh you know, great finesse around the rim when he was driving to the basket. He was beating guys around the corner and finishing, but then he was also uh, letting go from three. He had that step back going all night long. They tried to pressure him full court. They tried to uh, do a whole lot of things. And uh, after Lillard had a, a pretty rough game against the well, he's had just a rough go of it as of late after winning player of the month because that has coincided with Nurkic being out. He showed that, you know what, he's Damian Lillard and it doesn't matter who's out there. He's He can have a game like this. And uh, in a big moment, a game that the Blazers needed because they, they can't just uh, sit out all their games and, and, and think that, uh, they're going to coast into this this postseason because uh, Oklahoma City obviously last night they play, Oklahoma City plays Denver twice over these final uh, few games and uh, Oklahoma City did not look like a very good team last night when they were uh, de- when they lost by double digits to the Suns who were awful and. Russell Westbrook was just trying to juice his stats so he could get the the triple-double. And those two teams play OKC and Denver tomorrow, So and you don't know what type of OKC team comes out. Maybe that is something that uh, Lillard noticed because uh, all the you know strength of schedule measurements look at OKC as the sixth seed, a good team. They have Russell Westbrook, MVP, really good, you know, MVP candidate, good defense, all that stuff. You see all that on paper and you're like, okay, well, 
uh, you know, that's that's going to be bad news for Denver. But that doesn't those strength of schedule rankings don't take into account the fact that OKC is locked into their seed and they can't get any worse or better than sixth. So even though Westbrook has a chance to get that 42nd triple double, I don't necessarily think that uh, the Thunder are going to have a whole lot of incentive to play hard. So that could have potentially opened the door for Denver, uh, but it, it's going to be harder still for them to win all of these games. Now they have to, Denver has to go undefeated and the Blazers have to lose uh, both of these final two games against the Spurs on Monday and then against the Pelicans on Wednesday, excuse me, but the the Pelicans may be resting their guys because they don't uh, their postseason uh, fate is also wrapped up. And one last note on the schedule uh, moving forward: the San Antonio Spurs lost to the Los Angeles Clippers tonight on national TV. And after the game, Greg Popovich uh, told reporters that uh, he wasn't pleased with how they played. He didn't think that uh, they they were tough, and that he said he's not going to rest his guys over these last two games. So uh, Portland isn't going to get a break. They're not going to get a chance to face the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard, without Aldridge, uh, without all those big players. So uh, that is something that makes this victory and Lillard's performance even that much more important because... Uh, it was in a tough spot. Their next game is going to be brutal, and uh, they absolutely needed it, and, and Lillard may have just willed this team into the playoffs. And another thing about this win tonight that uh, makes it even more impressive is that Lillard had to carry this load. He had to shoot 34 times as much as he did tonight because no Alan Crabb, who is dealing with a foot injury, uh, Terry Stott said that there was a, you know, they, they looked at it uh, with an, an MRI and uh, th- there was a little bit of inflammation. He'd been dealing with a foot injury for a while. He checked it out. Uh, no break, obviously. It's not it's not anything uh, serious, uh, according to Terry Stotts. He said that he'd hoped that Crab would be able to play on Monday against the Spurs. But we will see. He was in a walking boot uh, when he was sitting on the bench at the game. Uh, uh, yeah, Damian Lillard, though, just continuing to rewrite the record books. Uh, and, you know, I, I was probably a little harsh uh, with given his performances these last couple of games where uh, I thought, oh, you know, he's not getting the spacing that he was when Nurkic was out there setting those big picks. But... Uh, he really came out and answered that tonight. I think he got enough help from his teammates to really allow his game to flourish. And, you know, Dame, 59 points, six rebounds, five assists. That is a phenomenal line, and he deserves every bit of credit recognition. I mean, it was a historic night, but uh, I do, you know, I don't think that the Blazers, uh, you know, end up with this victory if they don't get the contributions that they got from a strong start by the Blazers. They jumped out to their best start that they've had since the Nurkic injury uh, that they got. 
good rebounding from across the board. Another solid rebounding game. They had a 79% defensive rebound percentage in this one. Uh, And uh, they never really let Utah into the game. And maybe you can say it's a schedule loss, but a lot of times the Blazers this season have had you know wins on the schedule that you look at and you're like that's going to be a win and they haven't cashed it in and you wouldn't have thought that this team could just do what they did tonight given their track record and how they've played without Nurkic but they did that tonight they stepped up and uh an impressive win and uh the playoffs uh look even more certain uh but uh that is going to do it for like the, the game recap portion of this podcast. Uh, and we'll turn it over to the discussion I had with Nate Duncan, host of the Dunked On Basketball podcast, as well as the Twitter NBA show. Uh, chatted with Nate uh, just before the game, talking about Hoop Summit, some of the guys that he liked. So um, if you're into prospect talk, draft talk, uh, we started off with that. Uh, we talked about the league, things that we're seeing, things about the regular season, how he thinks he this season has been overall, uh, the Blazers and their potential outlook in a series against Golden State. Can they have success? Nate and I talked about that. Uh, and we also talked about whether uh, we think it's it's really possible that Yusuf Nurkic, despite you know the fact that he was putting up jumpers the other day, uh, talking about uh, you know whether we think he'll actually uh, be back in the postseason. So, uh, without uh, further delay, uh, here's my chat with uh, Nate Duncan. I am here courtside right now, pregame for Blazers Jazz, and I'm joined by my pal. Nate Duncan from the Dunked On Basketball podcast, also the Twitter NBA show. Nate, how are you? I'm doing great. We're just sitting here watching Derek Favors shoot some jumpers pregame, and it looks like he's going to play after supposedly playing pretty well last night. I didn't see that game, but no, it's been good. I've been in Portland for a whole week now for the Nike Hoop Summit, so uh, ate a bunch of great food, uh, gained a bunch of pounds that I now have to lose, but I, I love Portland. Yeah, and, and we love you, Nate. We love you. Uh, you were at Hoop Summit all week. Let's talk about that. It's always one of my favorite events. I wasn't at all the practices this week. Uh, what were maybe some of your takeaways uh, from those practices and sessions that you saw? Well, number one was that Michael Porter, uh, people in the Northwest probably know him pretty well, 6'10", small forward prospect, was going to Washington, now going to Missouri after the demise of Lorenzo Ramar. Uh had the single best day of practice that I can remember of any prospect in the four years that I've been coming here on uh, Thursday night. They'll play a bunch of uh, local Portland legends. Steve Blake actually played. Uh, we call them the Portland Generals because they always get worked at every year. Some like you know Portland State guys, uh, and so he was just incredible in that scrimmage. Uh, What's so remarkable about him at 6'10", 9-foot standing reach, which is ridiculous for a small forward, 7-foot wingspan, and he's also very athletic and has a high skill level, can shoot the 3, the FIBA 3, just fine, uh, skilled going to the basket, finishes inside, great leaper, quick leaper off of one or two feet, will block some shots as well. So really, 
not a, people have been asking me all week for a comparison to him, and I mean you could look at maybe Kevin Durant, but first of all, nobody has KD's length as a seven-five wingspan. KD is a better shooter. The Porter is a good shooter, but Porter much quicker, much faster, much more athletic than KD was at, at the same stage. Uh, one of the things that I saw last night uh, with Porter was his head was getting like almost like a foot above the rim on a lot of his drives. I mean, his athleticism, it really is breathtaking to watch. And, and that's one, of, I mean, KD is very athletic, but I, I, but I don't he think he has that. worked on his athleticism. Like when he was at Texas, he was not explosive. He really has improved that. Porter is just naturally like that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember seeing one of those. I mean, honestly, the, the the guy that he, with that explosion that he reminds me the most of, of the Hoop Summit guys was Wiggins when he was here, where he had that just that spring about him that was just yeah. out of this world compared to the other guys. Yeah, I mean, and I think Porter had some pretty ridiculous blocks as well this week, you know, which I think would separate him a little bit from Wiggins. Uh, but outside of him, the, the US, it was a deep U.S. team. They played hard. Defensively, uh, not a team with a ton of passing ability. I mean, there, there's nobody else jumped out at me as, all right, this guy is for sure a top five type of guy on that U.S. team, aside from Porter. Uh, the international team, probably the biggest name in terms of like upside is R.J. Barrett, who's two years younger than a lot of the, the players here, uh, left handed Canadian guard. Smooth athlete, not like a nuclear athlete, but a very good athlete. Excellent passing vision in small spaces. Kind of a flunk, fluky jump shot that he's got to work on a little bit. But, but for being 16, he more than held his own. Looked pretty good. I imagine we'll see him back here next year with another year on his belt. And, and you know, he'll be one of the stalwarts of, of the international team. Uh, what did you think of uh, Hartenstein, who is draft eligible this year, who we saw in the game last night? Uh, uh, I, I was a big fan of, of Hartenstein, or Hartenstein. Is that Hartenstein? I think it's Hartenstein. Yeah. Okay, Hartenstein. His father, Flo Hartenstein, actually was uh, played for Oregon back in the day. I, I should know that as an Oregon grad myself. But uh, I actually, I really liked his game. I thought defensively was what really impressed me the most. I wasn't, you know, his shot needs work. It kind of looks a little weird. It comes out a little awkward. Yeah, he's got like a lot of like, he's a lefty. He's got a lot of right thumb action that really makes his shot inconsistent. With that said, though, I like where he is defensively for a big. Will he be able to do enough other stuff? And can his, you know, can he rebound the ball? Can he do some of that stuff? Uh, but I, I was really impressed with the times that he did get put in pick and roll situations. I thought he did well, and I thought, you know, it could have been for show because it was with the TV cameras and everyone watching. But you know, when the game got close, it seemed like he had some kind of intangible moments where he's like calling plays out, uh, you know, dapping guys up, you know, every you know before the big possessions of the game. And I thought that like some of those little intangible things encouraged me for him like to have a future in the league. But it's interesting that you say that he had a reputation of a guy who gets frustrated really easily and, and kind of struggles with his emotions a little bit. We didn't see that at all this week, all through practice. He was, as you said, one of the leaders of the team. I thought he, he had a reputation for being a little selfish. He had some great high-low passing moments. They were playing mostly at the four. And he's, you know, he's seven foot one, uh, got pretty good length, uh, good athlete, uh, both uh, laterally and vertically. Uh, good frame as well. Certainly could play center. 
you know, but in theory has the ability to step out. He'll he'll take threes, make some, but also it'll you know it can get pretty ugly at times too. Uh, so I mean, he's I think the athleticism that he has, the skill level, uh, I, I think he'd be kind of a lower end first round type of prospect to me. Not having seen, not watched a ton of film on the other guys this year, but just that athleticism, skill level, feel. Uh, I think is something that certainly you would want to look at uh, as a, a good developmental prospect late in the first round. Yeah, uh, I, I liked what I like the tools that he has for for a team to work with, and I think it's encouraging that he has good defensive instincts because I feel like for bigs, that's always what comes late is is the being able to feel defensively, and that I feel like that's that that's an encouraging sign for him as a as a prospect. Yeah, I didn't quite see it that way. As well. I mean, I, I think he has the tools defensively. He showed something in the practices in the second half. I thought he struggled a little bit defensively to secure the defensive glass. They got killed on the defensive glass. The world team did it in that game. And also to, uh, you know, contest some plays at the rim. He, he was a little bit late. But still, you know, not bad by, by any means. But not like, you know, hey, we just can't score over this guy type of defense either. Um, and then the, the Canadian guards, I've liked uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker for a while. He was very good in the U18 Tournament of the Americas in Chile last summer, where he, uh, think of him as kind of a, a combo guard, about 6'5", shoots the FIBA 3 very well already, even last summer, uh, has some ball handling, can run a pick and roll as a nice offhand, and some good defensive potential, more of like a 1-2 defender than a 2-3 defender, but uh, someone I think could be a, a nice role player uh, in the NBA. As we watch Joe Ingles get warm from three, uh, he's kind of a six-man-of-the-year candidate, I think. Uh, I mean, this Utah team, I've really liked how they've played. They look like they're probably going to get home court. Uh, what do you think about their chances you know, in a, in a series against the Clippers? Because that's what it looks like it's going to be. Yeah, I think that series has now officially been locked in. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to health for Utah. George Hill, now I think this will be his sixth straight game on the shelf with a groin Tim McMahon from ESPN reported today that he'll be back at, at some point before the end of the regular season. Um, and Derek Favors supposedly played well explosively last night, had some dunks. I think that uh, he is going to be very necessary against that Clippers front line to guard Blake Griffin. Uh, and then they can also just, then they don't have to play Joe Johnson you know, he can come off the bench and play 20 minutes instead of maybe being a little bit overextended. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see Gordon Hayward his first time in the playoffs in his career, I think, uh, other than maybe like one year when he wasn't the guy yet. Right. And uh, Rudy Gobert, it will be his first time in the playoffs. Those two guys are really good, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, those guys have been around, have been stars, have been in the playoffs for a while despite varying degrees of success, is it a new time for Utah now where, you know, Hayward and Gobert have been as good as those guys in the regular season, uh, but can they do it on the playoff stage? It's going to be an interesting question for Utah, but these are two, if favors plays, it'd be an interesting strategic matchup because these are 
two of the teams that really play two bigs without three-point range at once. And so that'll be, uh, I, I think it could be more of a defensive struggle than a lot of people might think it would be. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna talk about that because you mentioned Favors and him playing tonight and him supposedly looking explosive last night against Minnesota. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of a, kind of a, look into the future, I think, because Portland's going to play super small tonight, and a bunch of the other teams that Utah's going to play are going to be very small. I, I wonder how, the, how Favors and Gobert are going to be able to do against those smaller teams once they get, if they get past the Clippers, you know, in the second round. Yeah, and, and obviously Golden State would, would be lurking at right. that point. Of course, and we they're might, a much better small yeah. team. Portland. Yeah, we, we might get an idea. We'll see how hard Golden State wants to play on Monday when they match up there. Uh, I think it'll be interesting too of what you know Golden State can will have the ability to determine whether the Clippers or the Jazz, uh, who would be their second round opponent, has home court in that series. So the, I don't know whether they would want to have some strategic machinations there. Steph Curry not playing tonight, so we'll see whether he comes back or not. But, but I think Utah did play well against Golden State last year. We haven't really seen much of Gobert and Favors playing together this year against some of those smaller teams. I think that they, if they get the Derek Favors that they had last year and the Rudy Gobert from this year, I think that they can hang uh, better than just about any other traditional too big alignment. Uh, but still, you know, you're, I think you got a little bit of a disadvantage there. And it's not like the, the problem against Golden State is, you know, Derek Favors posting up Draymond Green is not really an advantage, which it would be against a lot of teams, you know, where you can kind of get them back on the other end by going big. So uh, this Blazers team is not looking the same since the Nurkic injury, obviously. They're struggling quite a bit to rebound the ball. Uh, they're going small. They're not going to have Alan Crabb tonight. Uh, do you think that they have it? I mean, it looks like they're probably going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to get that eighth seed. Do you see them winning a game in, the, in a series against Golden State? Not without Nurkic, I don't think. I think they just have no way of stopping Golden State at all without Nurkic. And not even that Nurkic is, like, so unbelievable. I know he's been better since he's been in Portland, but I wouldn't look at him as an upper echelon defensive center. But without him, I mean, Vonley at center, you know, he's going to be overmatched, certainly, in the playoffs. Myers Leonard, you know, I heard tell that he's, like, struggling with a little bit with a back injury never a defensive stalwart to begin with. And then when they've gone to the small lineup with Aminu at center, uh, both this year and against the Warriors, they've really gotten smoked defensively as well. So I mean, maybe they could win one game if Golden State comes out flat and, you know, Damon CJ just go crazy and they get a – and this is an explosive team that has that capability, but I would be surprised if they're able to defend Golden State well enough. Yeah, I think you know there. I think there definitely is a great chance in a maybe in a even maybe even without Nurkic that, that you know the Blazers get hot one game, but they're not going to be able to stop Golden State at all without without Nurkic in the middle. And they have been fine with Nurkic, but it would be interesting to see Nurkic play against Golden State because we haven't seen him really play against Golden State with this Blazers team. And he's pretty quick and light on his feet, but you know, I wonder, I do have my concerns about whether he could stay on the court against against the Warriors. Well, yeah, I mean, Golden State has not gone with Draymond Green at center as much, which makes it a little bit easier, but... You know, there's always the question, too, of how are you going to defend Golden State? Terry Stotts, 
I don't think has ever really found a good answer to that that really works for Portland. Are you going to try and switch everything and on, you know, even if it's off the ball, a screen for Curry or Thompson? Well, with Nurkic, you probably aren't really going to be able to deploy that. Same thing, you don't want Nurkic in a switch on Steph Curry. So now, is he going to hang back under the rim? You're going to give up threes? Is he, I mean, he does have pretty decent mobility. Is he going to try and trap and then you're in a four on three? situation and the teams that have given Golden State the most trouble are teams that can switch everything and, and do it effectively and the Blazers just have too many weak links to really deploy that strategy effectively and especially if Nurkic were out there which you know I mean I'm not buying that he's going to be back by the way but even if he were and he looked good because I mean I think he's also really had to stay off of that fracture so his cardio is probably going to be a little questionable uh, yeah I I don't see any way that with this personnel they can slow down Golden State at all. Yeah, that's another concern too is that, yeah, he had a fracture and they say he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. They kind of held out hope that he might come back. I kind of laid out that, you know, Tyus and Chandler and Steve Nash both had this injury. Obviously, they were, they were a lot older than Nurkic is right now, uh, but the odds of him coming back are not very high. Uh, and in that sense, yeah, I don't, I don't see them having a great shot against Golden State. Uh, and I mean, they're going to have a rough go of it. They're, they're pretty much going to get lucky with the schedule here because it looks like the Spurs are probably going to rest guys on Monday. And it sounds like the Pelicans are also going to rest Davis and Cousins for the season finale. So, I mean, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, would you say? Well, they're given, I think, like 94% chance via you know, the latest odds with 538. Uh, and so, I mean, I think they basically would have to lose out and Denver would have to win out. And, you know, the system doesn't know that, as you said, San Antonio and New Orleans have nothing to play for and may well be in uh, rest slash tank mode. Right, absolutely. And also, uh, yeah, Denver's got to play Oklahoma City a couple times and uh, they're they're locked in too, so they may not have a reason to play guys. Although, you know, maybe Russell will keep on trying to juice those stats. What did you What did you think about those highlights last night? Because I we were I was at the hoop summit. I didn't watch that game, uh, but I did see the highlights after. Some of those end game assists were pretty ridiculous. Well, and then uh, down twenty five, the Suns actually fouling to prevent uh, the assist that would have led to setting the record for the triple-double. Westbrook is already guaranteed to average a triple-double for the season, but he was wanting to get his 42nd triple-double or whatever it is to, to beat Oscar. And the people who are complaining that, oh, you know, everyone is so stats-focused now, blah, blah, uh, I would say actually that we are less stats-focused today than we've ever been. I mean, some of the kind of farcical things that we've seen in NBA history. There's, you know, David Thompson and uh, George Gervin, I think it was on the last day of the 1978 season, both trying to go for 70 points to win the scoring title. Or, you know, and the, the basically... David, David Robinson, didn't David Robinson do that in the 90s as well? Like, he scored like 69 points or something just to win yeah, the scoring he, title? He had like 71 or something on the last yeah. day. I can't remember if that was going for the scoring title or... or what the reason for that was, but uh, you know, and in Wilt's hundred-point game, they were fouling and you know throwing him the ball every time. At the, I mean, they were up by 40, and he was still playing in that game. So, th there's plenty of circumstances where 
Uh, I mean, that's what made Kobe's 81-point game so ridiculous was that it really was in the flow. There wasn't, like, any of that crap at all. Like the Devin uh, Booker game? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, when you're there down. But, but you know, I mean, Earl that's made Earl Watson popular with his players, so... Uh, why not? Why not do it then? Uh, so, I mean, I don't really mind it. It's it, there's too many games. It makes things interesting. If you wanna, uh, I, I mean, I do mind it for Oklahoma City because he shouldn't have been in the game. They were down. You know, it, it, rest him. Don't get him injured. You know, you're trying to, in theory to actually win a playoff series. Whereas. Uh, you know, if you had nothing to play for, like Phoenix, like why not? You know, it's a lost season for you. You're going to lose the game anyway. Right. Uh, we have a couple days before the playoffs. Any uh, parting thoughts on the regular season that you wanted to impart on the audience? And where can listeners find you in the postseason for your insight? Because uh, I think they're, they're going to need it. <laughs> I, I know I need it. Well, uh this regular season, I think, has been a lot more fun than a lot of people thought. Although, I think if you really like, the, if you look at the overall way where we are at the end of the year with Kevin Durant coming back, we have the Warriors as massive favorites. Cleveland is probably disappointed this season. I don't think that San Antonio matches up very well with Golden State. So I think you know they still are looking like the massive favorites coming in. But you know with Harden having this incredible year. I mean, some of the great individual performances that we've seen this year. Uh, offense is really up. The game is just in a better place aesthetically. I mean, there are a couple of things that still need to be cleaned up, but you know, compared to where it's been in its history, I think it's one of the better, if not the best times that we've seen. Uh, and to answer your second question, you can follow me on Twitter at NateDuncanNBA, and one of the things that we have brought in is the Twitter NBA show probably every single night during the playoffs unless there's a Warriors home game that I'll be at uh, we are going to do a live broadcast during the game basically an alternative to uh, the play-by-play Twitter NBA show second screen so if you want to get notified of those you can uh, go to the Twitter mobile app Nate Duncan NBA click on the little bell next to my name and it's will uh, give you the option to get notified whenever we do live videos so we'd love to uh, get some locked on Blazers listeners uh, watching hopefully for uh, games three and four uh, of the, that Blazers-Warriors series. Yeah, looking forward to it. Blazers-Warriors is going to be fun. Get those notifications turned on. Nate, thanks for joining me. Hey, my pleasure, Eric. Anytime. I hope you all enjoyed that uh, interview with Nate Duncan from the Dunk on Basketball podcast. Check out his Twitter NBA show during the playoffs. It's going to be great. Uh, a, definitely a second screen experience. And keep it locked on Blazers here. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get a podcast. We are there. Leave us a five-star review. And we will catch you next time for another edition of Locked on Blazers. <laughs>